You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. And today we're going to be talking about breakfast which is one of Americans' favorite things. A recent survey said 62% of Americans said breakfast is their favorite meal of the day. And that's good news for our guest today because he has a breakfast-oriented brand um, that is embarking on franchising. Um, We're going to discuss that today with uh, the founder and CEO of Turning Points Restaurant based in New Jersey, uh, Kirk Ruoff. So welcome, Kirk. First, tell me what your background is and how you came to founding Turning Points. Okay, great. Well, thanks for having me here and uh, giving you our our story. Um, The Turning Point started back in 1998 in Little Silver, New Jersey. And it originally started, uh, I bought the the old restaurant from a uh, proprietor who who was running it as a lunch and dinner restaurant. And uh, she wasn't doing too well. And I came in and young, dumb, and stupid, but with a lot of uh, energy and, and I had a lot of restaurant experience and uh, decided to to buy her failing restaurant. And at that time, it was called the Turning Point Coffee and Tea Salon. Mm-hmm. And she was doing lunch and dinner and uh, she was serving little small sandwiches and French press coffee and cappuccinos and lattes. And you got to remember back in 1998, this is all kind of pre-Starbucks and the only place you could buy a cappuccino was in an Italian restaurant. So uh, she was a little bit of ahead of her time with her drink offerings. Uh, but then her, her nighttime business, uh, the dinner business fell a little bit short. And so she was making a little bit of money lunch and then losing everything at dinner. Um, so I went in there, going to go turn it around. I was so excited to, to embark on this journey of being my own boss. And um, my wife came to us three months after we opened up and said, hey, I know you're working 70, 80 hours a week, but I'm pregnant and you need to figure out something better because this isn't how I want to live my life. Um, so we, So I flipped it to breakfast and lunch. And I dropped the coffee and tea salon and uh, renamed it Turning Point Breakfast, Brunch, and Lunch. And it was a huge hit. And uh, it, it really, the, the business kind of flourished uh, within three to six months after that, after that change. Now, why did you decide to keep that name and not start with something new? Um, I was scared, <laughs> you know, it's just because they had, they had a nice reputation. They had a good brand awareness and I like the turning point and everybody, when they look at that, that name and it means different things to different people. And, and certainly it was a turning point in my life to be in business for yourself. So I kept it and it, and it worked well with turning point breakfast, brunch and lunch. So, so why do you think people love breakfast so much and why will they go out of their way to choose Turning Point over, uh, you know, the plethora of diners that we have in New Jersey? So, I mean, I, I think that the, the breakfast is, um, you know, if you think about in the morning, if you want to f- on the weekends and you want to feed your family, do you, do you really want to get out the pots and the pans and, and, and start whipping batter and making pancakes and then be left with uh, the mess in the kitchen sink and that's how you want to start your day off? Or you can come into a place like the Turning Point, uh, 
get a great meal for your family, kids' menus and unique dishes that it would be very difficult to execute first thing in the morning, grab a cup of coffee. And so I, I think that breakfast really it really appeals to people because they 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 want the convenience of of not having to do it themselves. They know it's a, a value a proposition. You're not gonna if you go to a steakhouse or you go to a fancy restaurant, you're gonna spend upwards of eighty to a hundred dollars a person versus coming to the turning point and it's twelve, thirteen dollars a person. So it's much less. And um and you can get your day started. And what we usually what we're finding now is there's a lot of um uh, the consumer is now going to kind of a two meal a day policy. They're not, they're kind of not eating three meals a day. They're not eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So they'll, they'll wake up in the morning. They'll, they'll maybe have a cup of coffee, but then they'll, they'll get hungry around nine or 10 and they'll have kind of this one big meal and then that'll take them to dinner time. Uh, so it's this, this brunch. Uh, this concept of having brunch, a meal between breakfast and lunch, is is really starting to gain a lot of traction, and so we're we're, we're we've seen that certainly a, a a large shift in our when our business is coming in uh, different days of the week. So um, I think for those reasons, uh, I think the breakfast uh, business will continue to grow. People's habits change, and and always bet on easy and bet on cu- customers that will want to be lazy and <laughs> and take the easy way. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your menu and what are some of your favorite things on the menu. So our our menu, you know, we we haven't really pigeonholed ourselves into any specific type of cuisine. Uh, we really want to have a. Uh, the on-trend offerings, the items, creative items that you can't go anywhere else and get. So when we look at uh, bringing in lobster uh, eggs benedict, or we have bacon lollipops where we take a Granny Smith apple and wrap it around bacon and roast it and put it on a stick. I mean, these are really unique items that that our culinary team have come up with. And I, I think that they, when I look at our menu, you know, we still have, plain Belgian waffle, plain two eggs over easy with bacon and a side of potatoes. But, but really when you, when you look at uh, the menu and the totality, it's, it's really being differentiated and, and giving uh, the, the guests an option to try something that they would never be able to make for themselves or they weren't, they aren't going to be able to find it anywhere else. You're not going to be able to go into a diner or a, a, a larger chain like an IHOP or a Denny's and find the kind of items that we're offering. Um, just more recently in the last year and a half, two years, we've really expanded our vegan section of our menu. Uh, and a lot of that is just through customer demands. The, the vegans, they're, they're plugged into social networks and they talk a lot and when they find something that they really like and you're you're cutting edge and you're creative with how you're executing those vegan dishes they talk and they show up and and you know I always say to my culinary team the numbers don't lie we run reports and we can see what we're selling and what we're not selling so um, so that's kind of the first part of to answer the first part of the question. The second, you know, what I enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy all of our, our egg dishes. You know, I think we really do a nice job. We have a New Orleans uh, shrimp and uh, Andalee sausage uh, hash that we, we made with poached eggs. It's one of my favorite dishes. It's got a little bit of spice to it. It's on sweet potatoes. Um, so I, I would say my favorite items are, are, are the majority of them are the, the egg dishes. 
Um, so how important are is the beverage experience that you offer? Um, you know, you have a, an extensive beverage menu. Uh, you know, it's hard to pick just one thing uh, that you'd like. Um, so how important is that uh, to the whole overall experience that you're offering the guests? Yeah, we, we, you know, we, we just recently promoted uh, uh, a internal uh, person to our beverage director spot. And so her full-time job is to try to come up with creative drink items, uh, source uh, vendors, uh, you know, that, that have the latest and greatest on-trend drink offerings. Uh, she works closely with our roaster who roasts all of our own coffee. She does quality control for us. And when you look at the consumer today versus 10, 15 years ago, they know good coffee and they know bad coffee <laughs> and, and they drink a lot of coffee uh, thanks to Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts of the world. And, and, and so, you know, that's another thing that I felt can really differentiate us from our competitors is our beverage offerings and and have that expanded not only for the adult beverages but for the kids beverages too we have a heavenly hot chocolate section where we have these creative hot chocolates and uh, Reese's peanut butter hot chocolate and and we're we're currently doing these chocolate bombs now that are they're little bombs filled with mini marshmallows and you pour the hot chocolate on it and they explode into the cup so it's really fun creative type uh, beverage items that you, you can't find anywhere else and uh, you know i would assume a big market differentiator is the fact that you offer you know you don't just have one kind of coffee and you have it out there if someone likes a light roast or a medium roast or something really dark um, you have that available, um, and that's not at a lot of other restaurants. Right. Yeah. So you know, I I believe that the best best uh, way to enjoy coffee is using a French press, and a French press lets uh, all of the flavor of the coffee and the oils pass through into the liquid. It's not using a a paper filter that captures a lot of that flavor and that oils. So it, once somebody's had the French press coffee, and it doesn't matter whether it's Jamaican Blue Mountain or Kona. Uh, Hawaiian Kona fancy or just our regular house blend roast. When you have it in a French press, it's an incredible experience. So who's your customer? Um, our customer, it, it depends on the day of the week. Um, so kind of this Monday through Friday, uh, early morning, we have uh, 55 or older, an older population, depending on the location. We have uh, parents that drop off their kids uh, from school and maybe they're meeting for a PTA, PTO function and just want to catch up with a friend. Uh, we're, we are doing third-party delivery now, so we're using Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub. And so uh, that's a nice revenue center for us. So, you know, people who, who want to have that uh, the turning point experience brought to them that that's available to them. Um, and then on the weekends, it's, it's really just everybody. It's, it's families, it's, uh, uh single people that just want to wake up and bring in their laptop and get something to eat and clear their head from the night before and, and get their day started. So it's, it's not really, it's, it, the turning point experience, the way the dining rooms are decorated and the layout and the menu, it really doesn't, we're not pigeonholed into, oh, this is where the old people go, or this is where the young hipsters go. It's, it, it really appeals to everybody. And that's, and that's what we like about it is, is that it kind of, it 
kind of transcends all the the different gender generations. So, um, I, I, I it's it's a difficult question to ask because when someone people ask me all the time, well, who's your customer? And I just said it's just it's really it's everyone. Right. So, how many locations do you have, and where are they uh, located? So right now we have 21 locations uh, located in three states, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. Uh, we've been in business for 23 years and knock on wood, we've never closed a location. So they're all doing really well. So we're proud of that track record. And uh, we're, we're looking to continue to expand uh, not only in these markets, but, but start to venture out a little bit further. Um, more focusing more along the eastern seaboard, kind of Florida to Massachusetts, east of the Mississippi approach. We 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 don't want to be everywhere just yet. I've I've seen too many crash and burn victims on on that growth plan. So uh, just be really smart and continue the trends that we have. Uh, we've created over twenty three years. So why look to franchising as a vehicle to grow? So, um, uh, great question. So, I mean, the franchise, it really wasn't on my radar initially uh, through uh, in the early stages uh, of growing the company. And it was really kind of during the pandemic that we really started kind of looking into franchising. And in, in 2019, we did a private equity transaction with New Spring Capital uh, based in Radnor, uh, Pennsylvania. And they had recently started a, a, a fund that looked at primarily emerging brands that used franchise as a way to grow. And so our discussions with New Spring Capital during the pandemic, once we kind of figured out which direction we needed to take the corporate company, uh, really revolved around, you know, who, who would be somebody who would be interested in a turning point franchise? You know, why would it be a compelling offer to somebody uh, who would want to invest that money? And we really felt with looking at our industry and, and how restaurant managers and, and people who run restaurants, how they're treated on a day in and day, day out basis. They typically clock anywhere from 65 to 80 hours a week. They're working almost every night. They're missing valuable time uh, that they in the evenings with their families. They're not tucking their kids into bed and they're working. And so now here comes the pandemic and, and things get turned up on end and they get a little bit of a taste of being at home. And, and a lot of people working uh, in the offices are now are also are, are at home and they enjoy this quality of life, this balance in life. And so here we are, we're a breakfast and lunch restaurant. We're open from 7.30 to 3. We know that we lock the doors at 3.45, 4 o'clock. Our managers either go to the gym or go shopping at the grocery store. They cook dinner for their family. They eat dinner with their family. They duck in their kids. And so we started thinking about that this might be a really compelling time to do this kind of post pandemic where people have gotten a taste of a work-life balance and, and also restaurateurs specifically, people who run restaurants, 
they not only had to survive the pandemic, but they also had to survive the pandemic 2.0, which is what we consider not being able to find staff, opening up half the dining room. Uh, managers now become cooks because you can't find a cook. And you're, you're just, you're just put into this, this horrible situation where you just, you just can't get out of it. And, and so we, we made the decision to work with a marketing department, work, uh, work with a specific marketing department. Um, a group and uh, work with an, an attorney. We hired a uh, vice president of franchise development who had experience franchising uh, another brand and basically spun it up and um, launched it three weeks ago. And I can tell you just in this short three week time period, um, we've fielded twenty. 30 calls in just three weeks without even really spending a lot of money on, on marketing. And, um, you know, these, of these individuals that are, that are looking for more information, we're already negotiating a franchise agreement with one specific group. They wanted to move really quickly. They felt really comfortable with investment. They felt comfortable with us and what we were offering. And so it's just, it's just an exciting time for, for our company and, and to be able to give others kind of this quality of life and opportunity for them to be in business for themselves is, for me personally, is really, really rewarding, I think. Right. And so what are you looking for? What kind of characteristics are you looking for in a franchisee partner? So we're, you know, some of our our, our mandates are uh, um, the the owner-operator, the person who's going to be the key holder, needs to at least be a 10% owner of the business. So we realize that maybe some one of the limitations of, of somebody owning a turning point because of the capital requirements might be the money. Uh, but we also really value that key holder. We think that that's what makes a restaurant successful, is having somebody there who's shaking hands and taking care of the staff and taking care of the customer and make sure they, they, they feel and they know that they are an owner. And and so that's one. So you have to have restaurant experience, and then there's some other net worth requirements that go along with that. And we we really didn't limit ourselves to only multi-unit development deals. You know, we are looking at individuals that only want to open up one turning point, and uh, so we're we're okay with that because you know I think that sometimes the single store franchisee uh, has just as much energy and just as much passion as, as a multi-unit uh, developer does. So how, how do you plan on going about to support them? Um, so we, you know, over 23 years, we've, we've developed a lot of systems and processes and, you know, having operating now 21 locations, you don't get to that size without figuring some things out, without having kind of a robust corporate team. Um, I, I, fi- I find it interesting that a lot of companies, they decide to start franchising their business after two locations or three locations. And I said, well, you haven't experienced anything. I mean, you've been in business for a year and a half, two years, and, and you have two locations. What do you, how, how are you going to hold the hand of somebody who wants to go and make a really sizable investment in, in your company and you haven't seen some things? So our experience of, of going through uh, a recession, a Wall Street recession, Hurricane Sandy, the pandemic, uh, you know, we have some, some locations that are home runs and we have some that are singles. And so, you know, we've, we've learned a lot. And so, you know, our team is, is really energized. I think we have a deep bullpen of people that, that, 
that feel excited about uh, this next stage and this next challenge. So um, the one thing I'm not worried about is is our ability to be able to support the franchisee. Uh, I think what what does make me nervous is is the person that we're talking to whether they have the passion or they have the know-how or they they're they're aware of the demands of the job. And so that's kind of where you have to have been in the business. You have to have at least three years restaurant managerial experience uh, to know what you're kind of signing up for. So what kind of sizes are you looking for in terms of location? You know, what what's that sweet spot that says this is a good location for Turning Point? So we're, we're normally 3,500 square feet. Um, we like to be in, in lifestyle centers or on, on heavily traveled roads, uh, typically an end cap or a standalone space. Um, but uh, anywhere that there's there's good energy, the co-tenancy is strong, where it's kind of uh, it's you know, like brands, gyms, grocery stores, where, where people spend time is, is where we, we feel that uh, the turning point works best. And who do you think is your competition and how do you think you compare to them? So, I mean, when you when you look at breakfast restaurants, you know, breakfast restaurants work inside of a day part. So it's not breakfast restaurants. It's not like a nighttime restaurant where, well, they do pizza or they do Mexican or they do Italian. And they're, they're kind of, their, their, their focus on is on a, a type of cuisine. So when I look at our competition, it's, it's people that offer breakfast. And now breakfast comes in many different forms. You can go to a Waffle House and get a, a very quick uh, experience. Uh, somebody who wants to get in and out and uh, it's a, it's a lower price point. So I wouldn't consider them, but you know, the, the, the competition that I would say is out there are, are full service, Breakfast restaurants, uh, restaurants like Snooze AM, um, First Watch was a, is a competitor. They just went public, so they're a very large company, uh, but they're they're not offering uh, franchising. Um, another Broken Egg, uh, but they're more of a southern based cuisine that kind of focuses on the the biscuits and gravy customer. Um, so, so I think that our, our competition is, is, is really, if you look at offerings of restaurants would, would be those folks and just, and, and just trying to convince the guests that, that, you know, there's a better option than cooking breakfast at home <laughs> and it's, it's a lot easier. So I would say our, our competition could be just the home market, just people wanting just to do it themselves and grab a power bar and be on their way, which is, that's no fun. <laughs> so you talked about, um, you know, withstanding the recession and Hurricane Sandy and now the pandemic. Do you feel that having gone through so much kind of helped you, pre- helped prepare you for what you experienced in the pandemic or was the experience just so totally different? Well, each of those experiences were different. Um you know, and I would say, certainly say the pandemic was the most challenging because you go through Hurricane Sandy and your restaurants get flooded, you pull up your bootstraps and you say, okay, let's go file the insurance claim, let's replace the sheetrock and let's get going. 
where the states that we were operating in during the pandemic, you, you just never knew what the governor was going to say. You never knew what a mayor was going to say. You didn't know whether the government was going to be able to pass the PPP loan protection. You didn't, you didn't, you, you had no idea how, I mean, when it first started happening, our private equity company and they're they're great people and they're super smart people with all their degrees and and they talk to economists and they told me they said you know Kirk like you know the government's asking you to shut down and and this could be a prolonged thing this could be you know a 6 month to a year thing you you got to be prepared for that and you know of course me I'm like no way there's no way that the government can shut down every business they just said hey we got to we got to level out the the curve here they just said two weeks i'm good for two weeks and here we are you know two years later we're still we're still feeling the effects of it so i i think that um you know having those experiences and knowing that that people are not going to stop going out to eat people are not people have to eat uh you know they you know you might I, somebody asked me, you know, do, do you think your you know, restaurants will be obsolete? And I said, well, when people stop feeding themselves, it's, it's not, we don't sell beepers, <laughs> you know, and nobody has a beeper today. It's not a, a, a technology company. It's, it's food, it's nourishment. And, and it's going to maybe, maybe it morphs into more delivery and takeout. Maybe more people want to have it delivered and they don't want to come out. Um, but, but we're, we're going to be here and, and people are going to need to eat in the mornings and they're going to need to, you know, eat during the day. And, and I think that, um, where we're sitting with our food and the experiences that we create, I, I think we're on the better side of that trend uh, versus kind of a value, throw it on the plate, greasy spoon uh, uh, type of offering. So, you know, you mentioned the work-life balance um, and, um, you know, how that's a, a, a good I guess, marketing and marketing selling point for franchisees, but it can also be a, a good selling point to retain employees. Um, so, you know, with what everything is going on now, in addition to the pandemic, as you know, the restaurants are dealing with supply chain issues, finding and retaining staff. Um, so how do you think you're positioned um, in regards to the staff? And then the second part, um, you know, how are you dealing with, you know, different supply chain issues as well? So you nailed it. <laughs> so, so that, that, that is our kind of secret sauce is that we schedule one shift of employees a day where lunch and dinner restaurants, they have to schedule two shifts. So when you look at execution and you look at what we offer a worker to come to work for, knowing that all they have to do is put their feet on the floor get out of bed, <laughs> take a shower and go get their cup of coffee and show up. And then when you come in, you hit the ground running and you start, you, you, your, your day is over before you even realize it started. And, and two o'clock, two thirty rolls around quickly. And we clean up the place and we go home to our family. That's extremely appealing to somebody who loves the restaurant business. There's a, there's, if, I mean, this is probably hard to believe, but at this point in our restaurants, uh, we, we are no longer hiring anymore. We're still interviewing people, but all of our restaurants are fully staffed up. And a lot of that is just the same, our same pitch, the franchisees of kind of get your life back and reassessing what has transpired in the last two years is also taking place with the workers. The workers now say, well, I'm not going to go back and kind of sell my soul and work doubles at this chain restaurant and, and, and miss having dinner 
with my loved ones or miss going to the movies. I, I, I can, I, I love the business. I like the energy. I like taking care of guests. I like cooking food, but I, I don't want to sell my soul anymore. And so when we're in markets and we look to hire people, we, we receive 10, 20 applications for a job. It's, it's, it's amazing. So I, I think that that trend will continue. So when you look at it, you, when you look at saying, okay, well, the number one pain point for restaurant operators is staff, is staffing levels and retaining staff. And when you can retain staff and you treat them what right and you give them a great work environment, they don't leave. And when people don't leave, it's, it's, it's a very easy concept to run. It really is because it's like a dance. Everybody comes in, they know the steps, they do what they're supposed to do. They walk out with money in their pocket <laughs> and they're happy. Um, and let's talk about supply chain. Are you feeling any of the uh, issues with, uh, you know, getting products or, uh, you know, I've heard paper products and things, um, you know, are, are you experiencing any of that um, and that how it reflects back into the experience that you give the guests? Yeah, it, it is directly affecting them. Um, you know, seeing the moves that uh, manufacturers have made, uh, you know, they'll discontinue a product line because they'll want to focus all their energies and labors on another product line. Uh, the supply chain is, is, is certainly, is certainly broken. Uh, and it just, you know, when those things happen, if the truck shows up and our products aren't, aren't all there, it's how, how are we dealing with it? How are we communicating that down to our guests? And I think for the most part, the consumer has, is aware of the issues. And when you explain to them that, uh, today we don't have turkey bacon because the turkey bacon <laughs> uh, company decided not to ship turkey bacon to us. Uh, and, and there is none in the supply, supply chain. But we have another offering that we can maybe say we have uh, chicken sausage. You know, so have you ever tried this? And if you don't like this, we'll be happy to take it off your off your check. So uh, there are real supply chain issues, but it's kind of how you handle them and how you communicate it down to the guests, which which for the most part they're understanding and and you know continue to to just keep them aware of what's what's going on. So how is technology kind of integrated into the brand? Um, you know, in order to, to keep you efficient and keep everything running as, as well as can be. Well, we're at the turning point here. We're big believers in technology. We try to leverage technology through our whole organization. And it was interesting because we had already uh, implemented Microsoft Teams three years before the pandemic. So right when Microsoft Teams came out, we were already on the Microsoft platform, obviously using Excel and Word and Outlook. Uh, but as soon as I got introduced to Teams, I we implemented it. So when the pandemic hit and people were saying, well, look at Teams, you can do Zoom call or you can do calls with video, like we already had it implemented. So we were way ahead of the curve when it comes to to uh, something like that. Uh, we implemented a solution called Up and Go where consumers, our customers can, can pay using their phones, using a QR code at the bottom of the receipt. It's been wildly successful and wildly popular with our guests that, that when the check is dropped, they take a picture of the QR code and they pay with their Apple Pay or their credit card right from their phone and they can walk out. So anytime something kind of comes across my desk or, or uh, one of our members of our team, we always take a hard look at it. And for the most part, we're, we want to implement those latest and greatest uh, pieces of tech. 
So where do you hope to be in, say, five, ten years? Uh, hopefully still working. <laughs> no, 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 I'll still, I'll, I'll still, uh, I'll still be working. I'm, I'm 52 and I love my job. Um, I, I think that we have, you know, we want to continue our, our, uh, our steady growth plan. Um, we, you know, it, it, the franchising piece is really, really excited. Um, I, I see the franchise piece of our business within five years, uh, growing to 30 to 50 units. Uh, because uh, you can obviously scale up a lot quicker using a franchise model than you can a corporate model. Uh, but we're not going to slow down our cor- corporate growth either. Uh, we're, we're in a good position uh, to continue that, that, that corporate growth. And we'll, we'll in five years, uh, if everything goes right, we'll probably add another uh, 15 to 20 stores uh, on the corporate side. So uh, the hope uh, that we would triple uh, the size of the company within that time frame, uh, time period is, is, is realistic. I think, you know, that's, and we'll be in more states and, and hopefully have some great franchisees that are, they're growing out their, their territories and, and the areas that they operate into. Perfect. Thank you so much. 